0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. So Christmas is here, just two days away now. How much do you think you know about Christmas?
1: Not a whole lot.
0: I thought I knew a lot, but I think we're in for a bit of a surprise today.
1: We definitely are. Today's guest is an expert in Christmas, and we'll hear more from him coming up today on Connections. Today's guest is an expert in Christmas. His name is Dr. Jerry Bowler, but he's better known as Mr. Christmas.
0: So that's the big first question. Christmas is right here. We're told you're like the expert on all things Christmas. How did you get so interested on Christmas that you've made a career out of it?
2: Oh, it was quite accidental. Um, My uh, specialty uh, had been uh, 16th century political thought. And then in the 90s, I was asked to bring a little um, historical quiz to a Christmas party. So I I brought a Christmas quiz. (laughs) Uh, everybody raved and said there has to be a book in it. And uh, sure enough, after 10 years of research, uh, there was the World Encyclopedia of Christmas. Wow. Uh, so the last 30 years, I, I guess I've lived with Christmas every
0: day. So now here, uh, people think we know everything there is to know about Christmas, right? Especially if we grew up in the church. We know the Christmas story. Do you think the, the general public actually knows the Christmas story? As as Yeah, do we know it or
2: not? <laughs> um, no, and, and I think a lot of Christians don't know it uh, either. Uh, we know the version that we get on Sunday um, uh, school pageants, um, but uh, there's there's so much more—two uh, thousand years of history to it. Uh, wonderful, uh, profound theology, uh, fabulous music, um, foods, customs, debates. Uh, Christians have been arguing about Christmas for almost 2,000 years. Was, that was the subject of of my latest book called Christmas in the Crosshairs, 2,000 Years of uh, Defending and um, Something else Subtitle, yeah. 2,000 Years <laughs> of bouncing and Defending the World's Most Celebrated Holiday.
1: So then tell us uh, about the origins of Christmas and and what most people would be surprised to hear. Well,
2: The first surprise I think they would get is is how long it took Christians to get around to celebrating Christmas. Um, The first few generations of Christians um, were much more concerned about Christ's imminent return than they were in his earthly origins. Uh, That's why only two out of the four Gospels um, have anything to do with the Nativity. Hmm. Um, It's only when Christianity starts getting attacked by Gnostics, by uh, people who uh, believe that uh, the appearance of Jesus had only been spiritual, that he had no body, um, that were you know disgusted by the notion of a God taking on human form, that that's just not the way it works. Um, that Christians began emphasizing the incarnation and saying, no, it's it's important that he wore diapers. Uh, that's why. We're going to talk now about swaddling clothes and, and shepherds and the, um, uh, the whole um, agenda uh, um, surrounding his arrival. So it, it, um, it takes Christians a while to get used to the notion of, of e- even talking about um, the nativity. And then uh, you've got theologians saying, well, you know, we'll talk about it, but we, we don't want to celebrate it because uh, birthdays, we don't do birthdays. Oh, Interesting. Apparently. The emperor does birthdays. But um, by the, the late 100s, 200s, people are, are saying, no, it's, it's important to celebrate the birthday. This is a great thing. Now let's argue about when we should celebrate it.
0: <laughs> now, so here's one of the stories I've heard, and I think I actually preached this in a sermon years ago, and I found out recently I may very well have been wrong. Oops. But so... One of the common, I think, stories is that, well, Christians decided to co opt the Roman holiday Saturnalias. Is that correct or no?
2: No, that's incorrect. Oops. <laughs> in, but I mean, that's what I talked for a while. Yeah. Uh, before I looked into it. Um, it seems so reasonable. I mean, here are, we're told, all of these Roman holidays. You've got Saturnalia, you've got Bromalia, you've got the Feast of the Unconquered Sun. You've got, uh, supposedly, Mithra's birthday, and then you've got the calendars of January, um, the, the big New Year celebration. Uh, and, you know, it, it would have made uh, great sense for Christians either, and there's two theories, uh, either to want to slip in unnoticed or to, um, to co-opt it. Um, but what convinced me uh, that that was wrong um, were two things. One was the notion... Of, of Christians of the first few centuries utterly rejecting any kind of connection with, with pagan ceremonial. I mean, these were people who were willing to die rather than sacrifice to the gods. So uh, there's no way that these people in, in at that time would have said, yeah, let's um, have a, a ceremonial that's entirely like what our neighbors have. Um, the, the second thing was, um, uh, I... I, I was introduced to to the notion of the computational theory, uh, which says that um, December 25th was the date that was chosen um, because of uh, some symbolic um, uh, numerical decisions that are are quite foreign to uh, a modern mind, but which made great sense, uh, you know, 1,700 years ago. Essentially what it says is that all great men uh, live... Are are born and die on the same date. So uh, somebody like uh, Alexander the Great or Julius Caesar or Jesus would have been would have his birthday and his death day on the
0: same date. Doctor Bowler, we celebrate the birth of Jesus on December twenty fifth. Big question: Was Jesus actually born on December twenty fifth?
2: Yeah. Well, what what the ancient uh, Christian said was, "It's his um, conception." In the early spring. So if he is, the um, crucified on, let's say, March 25th, then he is conceived, um, the Virgin Mary, um talked to the angel, um, on March 25th, then nine months later is, hey presto, uh, December 25th. It also fits in, um, with, uh, computations that people have made, and I, I, I'm not big on this myself, but there are people who seem to be quite um, certain that they know when John the Baptist's father's tribe had its um, monthly rota of service in the temple. Ah, um, And so, uh, according to those people, that, that fits in with a December 25th date, because we know that when um, Elizabeth uh, met the Virgin Mary. Um, the Virgin Mary was, you know, X number of uh, months pregnant, and uh that fits in with a midsummer birth or John the Baptist.
1: Well, Christmas is being celebrated all over the world, and in some places, even where there are no Christians, why is this happening?
2: Well, uh, Christmas has survived because it it has so many uh, different meanings. Uh, For Christians, uh, the centrality is the celebration of the Nativity. And and you have the season of the Advent, and then you have the the 12 days of Christmas leading up to Epiphany, uh, the arrival of the Magi. Um, and out of Christianity comes uh, the notion of uh, a special supernatural uh, feeling uh, in the month of December uh, of um, love, of um, the importance of uh, family. Uh, you know, here we have this um, couple um, imperiled. By you know the demands of, of the state, and, and forced to travel at an uncongenial uh, time of year.
0: Doctor Bowley, you've been explaining about how Christmas has come to be celebrated by so many more people than just Christians.
2: Yeah. So uh, out of that um, <clears throat> and of the Magi come the notion of gift giving, and by the 1200s we have Saint Nicholas as a magical uh, midnight. Uh, Christmas season gift bringer. So these things um, that begin in Christianity um, combine with a midwinter setting. And every culture that's in a a temperate climate, every culture that has seasons always has a midwinter festival. And three things are always stressed. Um, One is the triumph of light or darkness. I, I look outside Uh, and we're just barely uh, getting uh, light at at this time of day. So you want to emphasize your hope that light will return. And so fires and candles and and warmth are are big items. (coughs) Uh, Then we have um, the notion of of the barrenness of the earth, and we want to return to greenery. So we fill our houses and churches with holly and ivy and pine boughs and um, uh, mistletoe. Um, And the third is um, festivity of of plenty. In the the ancient medieval world, and until quite recently, um, this was the time of the year when you had most food. Um, The harvest had been in... Um, the grain is converted into, into breads and, and cakes and uh, made into uh, beer. The grapes are made into wine. The, um, the animals have been slaughtered. There's, there's lots of meat, and it doesn't keep. So midwinter is a time of, of feasting. You, you have to eat it now. Um, otherwise, it'll go bad.
0: That's interesting. I would always think summertime, right? But that makes sense.
2: Yeah, summer, you're... you're uh, You're picking on the berries, uh, waiting for the cattle and and the pigs and the fish to get fat.
0: We talked a little bit about uh, the seasons. There's Advent and then Christmas. And Christmas itself is 12 days. How did we get 12 days of Christmas? Do you know?
2: Yes, I do know. (laughs) (laughs) Good. (laughs) Um, The church decided um, that the the 12 days that separate uh, December 25th from January 6th um, Uh, would be <laughs> a special season of celebration. Advent um, started off as kind of a length mm-hmm. of, of um, denial and preparation. And the 12 days of Christmas are a, a, uh, a dead period in the agricultural year. Um, <coughs> sort of, the peasants weren't doing anything anyway. Um, so now was the time um, to have these parties and to celebrate before you had to get back to work after
0: um, Epiphany. I like that. And it's kind of still how it is, even though a lot of people don't mark the 12 days, but at least the uh, the week between Christmas Day and New Year's Day, a lot of people aren't getting much work done, are they?
2: <laughs> no. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's only in the uh, the 19th century that Christmas starts becoming a, about uh, consumption of manufactured goods. Um, Before that time, it's consumption of of food and um, beverages.
0: Uh, You talked a little bit about St. Nicholas. How did St. Nicholas become this huge figure uh, around Christmas time, maybe even bigger than Jesus for some people, right? Well,
2: in the Middle Ages, he was the number one male saint. Um, Only the Virgin Mary rivaled him in terms of Um, love and devotion and powers. Uh, He was the patron saint of so many things, so many places. And one of the things he was patron saint of was children. He had performed um, numerous miracles um, during both his life and uh, as a saint, uh, a dead saint, um, rescuing children, um, giving gifts, and uh, around 1,200 um, people started marking his Saint's Day, which is in early December, by the giving of gifts to children, and that started the whole notion of um, supernatural gift bringers at Christmas time. It wasn't the only one. There, there were lots of, of uh, saints and monsters who brought gifts uh, at Christmas time, but he, he was the dominant one until the Protestant Reformation.
0: And then at the Protestant Reformation, we did away with all the saints, and <laughs> we created somebody else instead in the 1900s for okay. commercialism, right?
2: <laughs> it, it, it was a long road there. Um, uh, Martin Luther, incidentally, uh, was happy to keep uh, St. Nicholas as a gift-bringer, but Germans at his time, uh, largely repl- uh, Protestant Germans, largely replaced St. Nicholas with the Christ-child. Um, as the gift-bringer. Oh, interesting. Um, and so we have, uh, in German, the word um, Das Christkindl, uh, the little Christ child, which became mangled into Chris Kringle. Oh! Interesting. No way! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, in England, uh, when St. Nicholas goes, with uh, the Protestants come in, um, there's no magical gift-bringer. There's, there's nobody to bring gifts for children. Until the 1800s, when um, Americans uh, in New York in the 1820s conceive of the notion of a kind of nephew of St. Nicholas, who in Dutch is called Sinterklaas. Oh, yes, yeah. And out of Sinterklaas comes Santa Claus. And uh, we've had him you know, for just about coming on 200 years.
1: And one of those traditions is the Christmas tree. And in most homes, you're going to find one of those somewhere in the house. Why? Why do ah, we do this?
2: It, it, um, there's all kinds of theories about that. The notion that it was um, invented by St. Boniface, who chalked down a sacred pagan oak and said, do you want to worship trees? Try this evergreen. Um, that, that's bogus. Um, there was some thought that it might have its origins in the paradise tree, that appeared in um, medieval plays, but I think it, it, it's really just an extension of bringing greenery into the house. The, the first time we know it appears is outdoors, outside of people's homes, in the 1400s. And they bring it indoors in the 1500s. And <clears throat> originally, they would cut the, the top off a conifer and hang it upside down from the ceiling, just like you would with with mistletoe or, or ivy and so on, and then eventually it gets flipped, um, so it's standing up and it gets bigger and bigger, and then it starts getting decorated, and um, now we have it as you know the, the central sort of domestic icon uh, of Christmas uh, in the home, and even in a lot of churches
0: I think a lot of people have contention with Christmas trees, right? Because in Jeremiah, it mentions something about do not decorate trees like the pagans do. Um, Yeah, do you have any interpretation on that passage?
2: Well, uh, there's also another Old Testament um, injunction um, to use greenery. Uh, Uh, Interesting. This is one of the things that that, um, uh, Christians have argued about. It took a lot of uh, arguing in the 1800s before most Christians accepted the Christmas tree. Um, because there was still a lot of resistance up until the 1800s against Christmas at all. But it was found uh, by Protestant churches that had turned their nose up at Christmas that it was such a big draw that this was something that the people wanted that they started emphasizing Christmas. And um, they would put on Christmas spectaculars with visits uh, by reindeer and Christmas trees and, and uh, either St. Nicholas or or Santa Claus and, and every church in town would have a separate Christmas spectacular the way uh, a, lo- a lot of churches locally still do.
1: What's your favorite uh, Christmas story? Mm, that's a
2: good one. Um, <laughs> I published a book called The World's Greatest Christmas Stories, so, um I may be forgiven off uh, choosing one from there um oh uh, I, I love um the gift of the Magi um, that, that old Henry story about this poor couple who give each other uh, self-sacrificial gifts um I like that one uh I love Dickens uh, Christmas Carol mm. um There are wonderful stories that Christians began making up um, in in the early centuries. They wanted to know more about Jesus, more about the Virgin Mary, and so they would make up stuff um, to fill in the gaps. You know, just like we have sequels for the Star Wars movies and prequels for the Star Wars movies. They had nativity story prequels. I love that. (laughs) I love stories about the Magi. Um,
0: What is it about them that makes you so interested?
2: Oh, uh, the fact that these are Mm non-Christians, that these are um, people who come from foreign lands, uh, probably unknown to each other, the legends say, um, and they met, um, and where did they meet? At Golgotha, just outside of Jerusalem. Um, They have it, you know, just bizarre gifts. Yeah, Bold, you can understand, but what was the Virgin Mary going to make with those? Oh, you brought me embalming paste. <laughs> Thank you. All <Yeah. laughs> oh, the fabulous stories. So, the, uh, uh, stories told evolve over the centuries. So, if if you look at um, how they're depicted in art, they gradually evolve toward three. Like there's no indication in the Gospels uh, how many there were. Um, they, they settle on three because of the three gifts. And <clears throat> they eventually come to be um, someone from Africa, someone from Europe, someone from Asia. A young man, beardless, a man in maturity, and an old, white-haired man. Now, if, if you want to know sort of the canonical... Um, myth about them, uh, you know, they're told in a dream not to go back the way they came. So they, uh, they disperse. They eventually end up um, in India, where they're converted to Christianity by St. Thomas, and they spent, sp- uh, spend their lives um, evangelizing themselves. And When they die, <clears throat> um, they are buried uh, in the Holy Land and their um, bodies remain the same as they were when they first saw Jesus. So even though they're very old, um, the, the bodies will appear to be a young man, a middle-aged man, an old man.
0: I love stories like that. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, I,
2: I've only begun. The <laughs> uh, Emperor Constantine's mother uh, discovers the bodies, uh, takes them back uh, to Milan, which was an imperial capital. Uh, they're forgotten about for... 800 years, and then uh, the Emperor Friedrich Barbarossa conquers Milan, and someone says, oh, by the way, we've discovered the burial ground of the, uh, the three wise men. And so he takes them back to Germany, and they build the magnificent uh, Cologne Cathedral to house the remains, where they can be seen to this day.
1: We want to all become Christmas experts, just like you Where Can we get your book, book and uh, find out some more of this information?
2: Uh, Christmas Encyclopedia is out of print. Uh, it, it's uh, Anyway, um, uh, but you can get it on Kindle. I would look for used copies on, on eBay or, or Amazon um, because the, the illustrations are glorious um, and it just doesn't work on, on a digital platform. But uh, you can get... Um, the Christmas in the Crosshairs or uh, Christmas uh, or Santa Claus a biography or the world's greatest Christmas stories by going online.
0: Last Christmas question. What's your favorite kind of unknown fact about Christmas that most people wouldn't know or your favorite Christmas tidbit? Oh,
2: uh, the association of werewolves in Christmas. Is uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, because Christmas is is in the darkest time of the year, um, and in the Middle Ages, you know, there was no artificial lighting, so the world closed down very early, and, and people hid behind their doors and, and thought all kinds of supernatural things were <clears throat> ranging out there, and that the evil forces of the universe were particularly ticked off that uh, the baby Jesus was coming, so that uh, they conceived that werewolves were particularly active around, around Christmas time. And that they would even have a werewolf Olympics uh, competition, um, and they would eat the losers.
0: (laughs) Christmas is, uh, there's so much more to it than we knew. You (laughs) learn
1: something (laughs) new.
0: I barely scratched the surface. Well, to keep scratching the surface and digging deeper in all things Christmas, check out Dr. Jerry Bowler's books.
1: Don't forget, if you want to listen to the full conversation, you can always do that online on your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.